We're again, uh, we're in a book of James, and James, our, our methodology here, our way of thinking, our way of contextualizing this is that faith works. Faith works. And I think it's always important to, to, to set up a theological premise for this because there's always, there's always a broad spectrum of people in the room. There's a, a strong uh, theological side of you all, and then there's a, uh, also a strong experiential side. And so at times, those things war against one another. And, and the better we get at finding a balance between the two, the healthier we're going to be. So faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a gift of God. Not, it, is, it is not something that we earn. It is given to us. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith or perfecter of our faith. So he gives us faith. We don't earn it. So faith, but then again, once we've been given it, we're called to stretch it, right? We're called to actually put feet to our faith. And so that is working out our salvation with fear and trembling. That is being obedient to the things that scripture is saying so that we can begin to build a faith that is trusting in God because we're acting on it. Now, those who, you know, do uh, come and, and listen and hear and do not apply it, you, you drift in the ocean. No rudder, no rudder of the word. I love the, the illustration. The word is the, your rudder. It, it puts you a direction. God gives you a direction, and the sail is moved by the Holy Spirit. It blows the sail open and propulses, or it's not right, but uh, pushes your vessel into a right direction as long as it has a solid rudder of the word. So our faith can't just be uh, willy-nilly. It just can't be just, well, I feel like God said, or I think this. That's a novel thing, but it has to be rooted in the word, and also the experiencing out of working out your salvation, working out your faith. So faith has to work. Faith working does not save us. We're not saying that at all. But it is a fruit. It is our, is God who brings us up. We're but attached to the tree and he produces fruit when we're rooted in Jesus Christ. And we become healthy. Now, the guard against this is that when we don't, when we become unhealthy, which I'm not going to ask you how many here have been unhealthy. I'll raise my hand. You know, when you get unhealthy, the branches begin to get dark or just get gray. The, 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 the leaves wither. And sometimes that's when the winds come and blow off the branches, right? But other things that happen is that there is someone who takes care of the tree who prunes it. In a spiritual case, if you're a child of God, God is busy pruning in your life, and it's fun stuff, amen? <laughs> no, it's usually not. Let's just be real. It's not, most of us don't go, yeah, I'm being pruned by the Lord. Praise God, this feels so good. I'm so happy about it. And so um, my best illustration for this is uh, I, I had a number of years where we had a tree in our front yard. I had no idea what it was. And uh, I, I tried to just cut it back because it was rubbing up against the house. And I cut it all back and I was just like, oh, it looks good. And the next year it produced apples. 
I had no idea it was an apple tree. I was like, you know, it just was a tree. I, I mean, my dad was in forestry. He knows all that stuff, but I don't. I'm ignorant, but the tree was sort of getting in the way of the house, so I cut it back. And that's how we are at times. We sit, you know, Psalms 1, some of you old youth group people will remember this. It's where I made uh, a terrible embarrassment of myself. But it says, you shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, which brings forth what? Fruit in its season. When you're planted by water and God prunes you, you will produce fruit. And the fruit is attractional. People see it and they want, they want to take a hold of it. It's like, I want some of that, what you got? I want some, but, but oftentimes we don't even know we're an apple tree. You know, we're just standing there in the front yard. We might sit in church and we might grow some roots here, right? And we're just like, we're doing all right right here. But when God in his love prunes us and the outcome are the little buds that begin to get produced. Then all of a sudden you got a little something showing. And it's wonderful watching these apples grow. They're about this big right now. And they're all over the tree. And they just grow and they grow and they grow and then people steal them from our yard. <laughs> True story. True story. I'll just tell you real quick, some of you know, one, two years ago, I think, we were all ready. We were ready to make, um, uh, to, to harvest all the apples and to make applesauce and to make, my, my wife makes these apple fritters, dumplings, something thing. Dear God. <laughs> and I was getting psyched about this mess. I mean, little vanilla ice cream and apple dumpling stuff. Whoo, it's healthy too, because it came from the fruit of the tree, right? And, and so I was getting psyched for it. Overnight, I swear a bucket truck rolled up North Street and eviscerated that tree. There wasn't even one rolling down the street. I'm talking 100 to 150 apples gone, right? Gone. Yeah, it was attractional, all right. But let me get to more of the heart of the matter. I began, because I watched who took the trees, stuff from the tree when I was there. Like, I'd come around the corner, and there'd be a family there. Like this, the mom was going like this, all the kids were grabbing from the tree, and looked at me, and smiled, and didn't stop doing it, right? <laughs> and I'm like going, at least be slick about this. So that just produced the joy of the Lord and the giving heart that I have, right? It didn't. It didn't. It produced in me something else. It produced in me anger. It produced in me a sense of justice. It produced in me a wanting to I mean, this is how my mind works. Be scared. You think Todd's a problem? I'm worse. How could I run 120, 110 electric up and have little wires in each apple that were adult height that when the adult grabbed it, the video camera would turn on and bzzz, 
and the sprinkler would turn on to add to the fun. You know, electricity and water. Now that oozes gospel to you, does it not? You just hear Jesus all over that. But that's my heart. And so uh, I'm going to fast forward just a little bit here. Um, past, like last week we talked about the credibility crisis. And James 1, it says, Out of his own, he, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. And so we discussed which basket are you? Are you fruit that is stale and hasn't been partaken of, or are you healthy fruit? If God were to look in and evaluate your soul, where would you be? And so, um, you know, this week we're going to be talking about partiality. Partiality. Um, a deplorable incident occurred in the life of Mahatma Gandhi. He said in his autobiography that during his student days, he was interested in the Bible. Deeply touched by reading the Gospels, he seriously considered becoming a convert. Christianity seemed to offer the real solution to the caste system that was dividing the people of India. One Sunday, he went to a church to see the minister and asked for instruction on the way of salvation and other Christian doctrines. But when he entered the sanctuary, the ushers refused him a seat and suggested that he go and worship with his own people. He left and never went back. He's quoted saying, if Christians have caste differences also, I might as well remain Hindu. Partiality. When I think of Oasis, I am thankful, like I didn't come into this message like I had to grind on you hard. I didn't because I think by and large, this is a loving congregation and that we welcome people uh, and that we want to get to know you and it doesn't matter what you dress like and it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what's the bottom line of your checkbook. I think that we do this extremely well, not perfect, but well. I think the heart of you all's heart is awesome and I love it. So I just want to just say thank you for that. I didn't feel like I had to build this up where if a visitor comes in and they weren't dressed well, then you treat them poorly. I, we don't have to, I'm not even going to go into that because I have seen it in action here. I have seen you all work in action and love people that look different than you. But you know that was in the garden, right? What was in the garden? A tree. And God said, do not touch, right? Well, that's the tree I had in my yard. And I thought I was God. And let me be even more particular here, because we can't skate around issues. And this isn't generalizing, this is observation and knowing. Most, but not all, but most of the people taking the apples were in the immigrant community. And I saw my soul get sucked in. And then, to add to it, the trash that I found on my sidewalk that I go pick up came from the store. It was written in another language. Do you think that helped? Are you all tracking with me here? You know, so 
You know, when left to yourself and left to your sinful nature, you can become an angry person. So I went, and I went and asked uh, the head of the multicultural center who I was friends with, which started in this church in the back area. I'm like, I need some contextualization of my own because my heart right now is not in a healthy place. I was showing partiality or the opposite of I was not liking all the same. Y'all ever struggle with that? And I asked him, I said, so help me understand this. And he told me two things. The first is that Eric, they take your apples because they know you're not gonna shoot them. I was like, well, they don't know me very well. (laughs) (laughs) They knew me, some of, many of them knew me as padre. I hated the term. That came from the Catholicism. They viewed me as the priest. They said padre. And it hit me like a, 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 a big old pallet of rocks. That they're like, this is a man that espouses Jesus. If my kids are hungry, he'll have no problem with having an apple, us having an apple. The second thing, in relationship to the trash, he's like, have you ever been down south or in another country? I'm like, yep. What do you see? Trash everywhere. It's part of the culture. But I was taking something that really was in life insignificant, a couple of apples or trash in my yard, and I was letting it fester in. Have any of y'all done something? Help me feel normal. Left uncontrolled, we become that person. When someone comes up, we, we label them something. They look different. They act different. They dress different. They have tattoos. They don't have tattoos. They have long hair. They don't have long hair. They have gauges. They don't have gauges. They have beards. They don't have beards. All different skin tones, all different sizes. We form these thoughts. All of us do it. All of us do it. As a matter of fact, in our backyard, it was fascinating to notice. We have ducks, geese. We have all kinds of Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom in, next door. But birds of a feather flock together. The black ducks would hang out with the black ducks. The white ducks would hang out with the white ducks. It's, it's, it's not, it's, I'm not saying it's right, but it's like our tendency left undone, unchecked, that we tend to comfort ourselves by people who are most like us and we assimilate with them instead of broadening ourselves and being more open and so James was warning the people here he said do not allow partiality to get not into your outward appearance and your how you respond but your heart because trust me when I see people on the sidewalks I say hi to them I say hola to them I try, I smile, I do all that stuff, but left unchecked, inside, inside becomes bitter water. And that stuff held in moves its way out into our actions, into our thinking. Partiality is making a judgment concerning someone on a superficial basis, and then acting toward that person as though that judgment 
were valid. I've shared this with a number of you, but one of my biggest learning points in the past two weeks is this. I, I laud the fact that God has given me discernment. I don't say it arrogantly. It's just a, it's like my top spiritual gift, discernment. I, I, I run with it. But let me tell you, the shadow side of discernment is that you think you know all the answers and you think you know people's motives and you act on it as you think you know that they're acting in a certain way and your whole evaluation and observation is your premise is wrong and you're putting yourself like God saying, you know, you can and cannot do this. You're trying to control things that aren't work. So I have tried, I have rested sometimes too strongly in the gift of discernment and not allowed God to filter it through. Partiality is making a judgment concerning someone on a superficial basis and then acting towards that person as though that judgment were valid. You ever have any problems with that? You ever see anyone in line in front of you at the store? You ever evaluated why they're there, how they're paying for stuff, how they're dressed? We make superficial observations. James 2.1 says this, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Show no partiality. Don't make judgments based on superficial things as you hold on to the faith in the Lord Jesus. In World War I, there were rest homes behind enemy lines or behind friendly lines. And so the soldiers would step back and on the signs on the home, it would say this, um, over the entrance of the houses said, abandon all rank, ye who enter here. Didn't matter whether you're an officer or you're an enlisted person, you were welcome in that home and rank didn't matter. This is how the church should be. We don't run on a caste system based on our financial evaluations. We don't run on who our family was and were thought of this or this. Our only hope is found in Jesus Christ, that we are in his lineage, that we rest under his name. A moniker of Christian is our family, and that's how we're supposed to treat each other. And, and going outside of James a little bit, how the world views Christianity, much like Mahatma Gandhi, is based on how you and I act. How you and I act, not just in here, but when someone steals your apples. When someone does something that bugs you, irritates you. My brothers, my sisters, show no partiality. Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 18 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Now that word... Now, I'm getting ready to step in it, all right? Adults, you know what I'm referring to. The dogs outside in the yard, you get it? I'm getting ready to step into something. This word sojourner, another, another uh, synonym for it is alien. 
And I was uh, just involved in a conversation. So this conversation goes both ways. As, as Christians, as Christians, should we love law? Yes. Should, we be, should our country run on governance? Yes, yes, yes. But how our love comes through and what we ask for is a telling sign of whether or not we are or people who are prone to showing partiality. That you want the laws obeyed, and, and I'm not, some of you, you know whoever you are, and if you're not, just let it gloss over. If your focus is on the law and don't have an equal and opposite love for the people, there is something askew in you. I've tried to I've tried to work it out in my own head. I got involved in a conversation. Um, there is something uh, really serious going on um, in, 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 in life right now. And I, I was talking to somebody and uh, they were like, they made an assumption that the person of problem was a white male. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably pretty close to it. Middle age. And this person looked at me with anger and said, this word, all, all you are concerned about are the people that are coming in illegally. It was a general reference. It wasn't even talking to me. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second. All sin is wrong. The people who come and do bad things in churches and synagogues and mosques and shops, it's all horrific. The people who do horrific things, it's all bad. But for us to not be partial and to love all of God's people and to seek the heart of the matter in how we talk and how we converse, that we're winsome about it. It's okay to say, look, I want to understand the plight of people. And I'm gonna just be real. I want, I want people who are coming into our country to come in the right way. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that because I know that there are people who come from oppressed lands and are under gunfire and threats and drug lords and all this stuff, and they're trying to find a safe place. And we, many of us can agree that that's not a bad thing to get away from, and it's not a bad thing to ask that it's done the proper way. But how we converse that, how we speak that shows whether Jesus is Lord of our life or we're eating of the knowledge of good and evil and we're just resting in justice. That we just want to go off the right and wrong and right and wrong and right and wrong. We don't want to be judged on right and wrong by God, do we? I'm done. I'm toast. Man looks on the outer appearance, God looks at the heart. So in the matter of the heart, I want you to be thinking about how you converse about things, comparing them of what, and what would Jesus do if he were in my shoes? How would he say to love your enemies? How would he demonstrate a love for the law and a love for the person? Love the Lord your God with all your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as what? Yourself. How would he do that? That's not easy. That's why we need the gospel. That's not easy. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Because left to our own devices, we're ready to put electrical things in apples. I wanted to, side note, I wanted to put a sign up. Thou shalt not eat of this tree. 
and reference Genesis. Or you shall surely die. You see how demented I am? I am in need of the gospel in my own life. When Christians show favoritism toward people, they implicitly claim God's own right to stand in judgment over other people. We're saying that we stand in judgment. We're putting ourselves in God's shoes. Unless you're holy and blameless, those aren't good shoes to step into. When we show favoritism, when we don't embrace the fact that we're called to love our enemy, just hear that. Whoever your enemy is, we're called to love them. I had to pray for someone this morning that in my mind is an enemy and say, God, if you give me an opportunity to share Christ, I'm in. I'm totally in. And say, God, I want to relinquish my human flesh and my desire. And if you give me the opportunity to share the gospel, I want to do it. So in essence, it's like, Eric, don't show partiality. Don't say you're God and figure out who deserves heaven and who deserves hell, who deserves wrath, who deserves judgment, who deserves it. It's God's to decide, not mine. And guess what? It's not yours either. Matthew 5, 19 says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Folks, it's so easy to fall into the rut of thinking we know everything, thinking our judgment stands, that our discernment is right, that we've got this person pegged, that we understand the situation. Only God knows these things fully. And when we give in to that temptation of believing our own hype and believing our own judgment, these things start creeping in. Evil thoughts. Electric and an apple. Murder. Water with electric and an apple. These things creep in and left unchecked without repentance, without coming to God and saying, these were my thoughts, Lord, they're not right. I know I need to hold them, hold them captive. God, those are yours. Have them. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee, Lord. Consecrate me. Consecrate me now. I'm jacked up. I'm a messed up thing. God, I don't want to think like this. Give me your thoughts. Give me your mind. God, just take me. And guess what he does? This is what the gospel is. Christian, you've been struggling with these angry thoughts towards something. You've been showing partiality towards something. God has an answer for you. His grace, his mercy, his long-suffering for us. He's eager like a father to come and give us new life, to give us hope. And we come to communion every week, every week, and it should be something that I hope that you view as a beautiful, sacred place that you can come to God and say, God, I've shown partiality in some way. Maybe not outward, but inside I've had murderous thoughts. But Lord, I want you to, would you please forgive me? And you know that he does. You know that his 
blood was shed so that we could have life, that we could be justified before God, that we could have faith, and that his spirit came so that we could have abundant life, that we could have the wind blowing in our sail, that we could be a tree rooted by rivers of living water, that we could produce fruit in season. Communion is a way to reset our systems, to ask for forgiveness, to thank God for new life that he's given us, maybe to experience Christ for the first time. If you're here and you've never experienced this, you just go, God, I wanna take of you. I believe that your son died on the cross. I believe that he took my penalty upon him. I wanna put my trust in you. You can come and take of, the, take of the communion bread and take and break and eat it because you are experiencing his new life, his broken body that was for you and his shed blood. That is what communion's about. New life is about something changing. Communion means I come not perfectly. I come not perfectly and allow the Holy Spirit to work on something. I want you to hear that. If you get overwhelmed, if you're a melancholy thinker, like I can trend in those ways, I, I think of all the things that aren't right in me and I get confused. Because I have multiple things. Unlike you all, I have multiple. But when I come to communion now, it's much like God says, Eric, I want you to work on this. And I, we in response should be, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Would you please stand as we get ready to take communion? My brothers, my sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Don't take his glory from him. Let it be his. Give yourself as a pleasing sacrifice this morning as you remember what he's did. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, we know that Becoming more sanctified means that the light of truth comes in and invades our heart and there's cobwebs, there's shadows, there's closed doors. And Lord, we know that your Holy Spirit brings a light to those things. Lord, we want to embrace the light, embrace the truth. Head on, Lord, I just pray that we would do work this morning and we would give you the glory as we worship your sacrifice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.